you so much, Dorcas. You did the reading that none of us really want to read with all those <laughs> difficult words, so thank you so much. Um, it's great to have Mark Mellowish with us this morning. Uh, Mark, uh, some of you may know from New Wine, if you've got connections there. He was, he's been um, a leader within New Wine um, with his wife, Lindsay, for many years, um, and also leads St. Paul's Ealing, uh, or has just announced his retirement, resignation from leading St. Paul's and is about to take on a new role. So um, we're very privileged to have Mark with us. But more than that, um, they are great friends to uh, to Lydia and I as well. So why don't we pray for Mark uh, as he speaks. Stretch out a hand and pray for Mark. Father, we thank you for Mark. We thank you for his ministry, for his message for us this morning. And we pray we'd have ears to hear and hearts to respond. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Just to say I'm not retiring. <laughs> so I've, I've um, yeah, just announced, uh, we've just announced our resignation. And uh, we're going on to um, take a strategic role in the Diocese of Hereford to uh, try and bring churches alive across Herefordshire, which is um, uh, a really exciting challenge over the next few years. So it's lovely to be with you. I don't know if you know, I bet Ben doesn't know, that today is Trinity Sunday. Did you know that? He didn't know. Today is Trinity Sunday and I, and I was just thinking about that this morning as I was coming here. I was thinking, Trinity Sunday. It's like it's your Sunday. It's your Sunday. And it's like it's, it's when it's your Sunday... It's like when it's your day, you get gifts, don't you? And I don't think it's, I don't think it's a mistake that last week was Pentecost and that was the pouring out of the Spirit to give gifts to the church. And here's just what the Lord said to me as I was just uh, waiting in the worship there. You know, one of the gifts of the Trinity, it's the most beautiful gift, is that um, it's the gift of unity. Father, Son, and Spirit holding together as one. And um, if any gift were to be given to a church to stand together and work together to see God's kingdom come is a wonderful gift. That you would stand together and work together to see God's kingdom come in this community. So today is your day. Really exciting that it's your day. And um, I pray that you know that gift in life. Lindsay and I are really pleased to be here. Um, it's lovely. I would just say um, you've got one of the best in Ben and Lydia. Um, they are absolutely terrific and um, uh, we would have kept them, I assure you, had we been able to in Ealing. So um, you are very blessed to have these two. Um, I'd love to just ask a question to start with. I wonder, this is just a, I asked Lindsay this the other day, um, in our nation, in, in, in culture as a whole, do we live with a story of scarcity? Now, that, that is a genuine ask. I wonder whether we live with that banner over our lives. Now, that's not taking away from the fact that there are there are real stories of scarcity around in our lives. There's, there's lots of people that are struggling uh, with finance and trying to make life work. 
But I wonder if we live with that, that narrative over our lives. What, what do we do with what we have? How do we live our lives with what we have? Do we often think, I've not got enough? Now, I'm not speaking to anybody who's really not got enough, but do we often think we've not got, not got enough time? I'm, I'm time scarce. I, you know, my, my busy life, I've got lots going on. I don't have enough time to. Do, do, we, do we live with scarcity of resources? I don't know about you. I mean, I, uh, every now and again, I um, go out cycling. There's one particular guy I go out cycling with. His name's Guy. And uh, we get to a hill, and on the way up the hill, he continues at the same pace and talks all the way up. And I'm going up next to him thinking, how can he talk when I'm just trying to focus on trying to be able to breathe, you know? And I think, I wish I, wish I had that ability to, to that, that level of fitness. He is quite a bit younger than me. But there, then, there, then, of course, there's, there's the resources that we have. There's, there's the, 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 the looking at our bank account. Do we have enough this month? And, and we will all have times when there's more month than money. But do we have enough? Do we live with a, a narrative of scarcity in our lives? I'd love to tell you about um, a guy. One of the reasons, actually, that I'm a, I became a Christian. I didn't grow up as a Christian. I, one of the reasons I became a Christian was because my best mate, Chris, um, uh, he and his family were great fun to be around. They were a Christian family, and um, they didn't have much. We were a... Um, I, I don't know, we were a fairly well-off family. We, my father was professional, my mother was professional, we had income coming in, we could do whatever we liked, whatever we liked. You know, there was always food in the fridge, there was whatever we wanted, there was always a cheese board, there was lots of ice cream in the B-Jams freezer. Some of you remember B-Jams freezer, big tub freezers in the bottom, you go down there, two litre tubs of ice cream, help yourself, you know, anytime you like. That was my, that was my, my story. Chris's story was one of one of not having enough the whole time. I was really pictured one day, my mum went round to have a cup of coffee with his mother because we weren't always best good teenagers in the way in which we lived our... In fact, we got caught riding motorbikes illegally locally. So she, my mum had gone round to talk to his mum. This was before I was a Christian, by the way. My mum had gone round to talk to his mum about what they were going to do with these two boys. And, um, and uh, his mum, her name, I won't tell you her name, uh, offered, offered my mum a biscuit, <laughs> opened the biscuit tin and offered it. And inside was a little sign that Chris's dad had written. I've counted these. So you just, that, that was the level of scarcity they lived with. There just never was enough. But here's the thing. You could, have not, you could not ever have met a more generous family. Generous with their time, generous with their words, generous with their effort and their energy, generous in every way. And I, as someone who had everything I needed, realized that I needed what they had. And they didn't have everything they needed, but they had what I didn't have, and it was more attractive than what I had. And so a journey began over a number of years, and and uh, I, uh, in fact, Chris and I were riding motorbikes on a Sunday afternoon, and it was always very irritating because he wanted to go to his local 
crusader class. I don't know if you remember crusaders. Some of you. He wanted to go to his local crusader class on a Sunday afternoon. It was a club. And uh, I used to find this so irritating. When we'd go and we'd ride the bikes down. It was a, a club on a Sunday afternoon. And he would go in and do his crusader class. And I'd be sitting outside on the motorbike or on, on next to our bikes. And he came out this one Sunday and uh, he had a brand new Bible. And uh, I, I said to him, well, what would you get that for? And he said, I got that for going every week for two years. That's fantastic. Well, you know, congratulations. And we talked a bit about it. And uh, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll give you this Bible if you come to church with me tonight. I said, oh, okay. So I took the Bible. It's on my mum's bookshelf still. I took the Bible off him. I feel bad about that, really. But I took the Bible off him and I went to church. And um, there was a beautiful young woman there with blonde hair that I thought looked rather pretty, so I kept going back to church. And, 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 and in so doing, became a Christian. But here's the thing. They didn't have everything they needed physically, but they had everything they needed in life. They were so rich in so many ways. But I just wonder, I wonder whether, and in that context, whether we live with scarcity. I think there are two words that sum up the Christian faith. Um, the first is to give. God so loved the world that he gave. The generosity of God. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For he sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world. We have such a message of hope to share with others that we've got a message that says we've come with a message from a God who says, I want to give to you. Because God doesn't need anything from us. He wants to give to us. I've come, I've come with a message of a God who wants to give to you. And give to you in every way. To so take our lives into a deep, rich, special place. Yeah, the other word that I think sums up the Christian faith is serve, service. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. When we choose in our lives to reflect the generosity of God, I've come to give, and we do it through actions from God, I've come to serve. How lovely that you've got a community day coming up. A real opportunity to show generous love to your community, demonstrate who this wonderful God is and how God can be good for the community that you live in. And I wonder, I wonder though, if we live under that narrative of scarcity, and I think, I think probably that is true in our culture. I think you've only got to watch the news any day. I think you've only got to read the newspapers. I think you've only got to catch the, the, the soundbite snippets of people who you know, all the time are saying... You know, the government should give us more. We need more. We need more. And, I th and this is not... not I mean, we, we run a food bank. It's the largest food bank in, in, in London, I think. But anyway, we have about 15 tonnes of food come in every week and 15 tonnes of food go out. So we're, we, we live with that scarcity in our community. We have a, a soup kitchen for the homeless. We feed about 120 people um, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday every week. Um, so we know that that is there, but at the same time as that being there, there can be generosity. 
But at the same time, we know that is there. I, mean, I had a, a saying to Lindsay, I stayed behind um, last Sunday night at church, and um, I had to see somebody. I said to Lindsay, I just need to sit here with this young woman. Um, and uh, the reason was she just had nothing. She had nothing. She came and she said, I'm ashamed to say this, but I just, I've got nothing. I've got no money. I've got no, we, I, we know her. I listened to her story. And I said, just sit there for five minutes. And I went off and made myself accountable to somebody else and showed them what I was doing and got some money and took it out. Every time I was able to give her some money. And, and at that point, she crumpled and said, um, this is the God, the God who blesses and looks after each and every one of us. And uh, I didn't tell her how much money I'd given her. I just said, go away and uh, don't look till you get home. So we know scarcity is there. We know that people live under a narrative of actually physically not having enough. But do we live under that narrative ourselves? Or where we think, actually, I've not got enough. When possibly, just possibly, we might at times have enough. I took a funeral last week of a, it was a sad funeral actually of a young woman in her early 50s who died of an aneurysm. She was an amazing woman. She was a, a senior financial officer uh, of a, a worldwide company. She traveled the world. She, they had offices all over the place. And um, she'd volunteered, we got to know her because she volunteered throughout the pandemic. In, uh, we turned one of our churches into a vaccination center and she volunteered there. Anytime we were short, we'd message her and she'd turn up and volunteer. Um, I'm not quite sure what her company thought she was doing work-wise, but she'd turn up anyway and volunteer. She, she delivered food to those in need. She was somebody who was hugely generous. When I took her funeral, people flew in from around the world, literally flew in. And we had people there from Canada and America and Hong Kong, from up and down the country, people flew in. Why? Well, here's what they saw was they celebrated the generosity of an individual who wanted to bless others with her life. And that's what I think God wants for us. He wants us to live a life where we show generosity to others. And I, I would love that people might think that of me at the end of my life. But God doesn't need anything from us, but he wants everything for us. He wants us to discover John 10.10, life in all its fullness. And that that reading, that reading um, from Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, it's quite a, it's a a reading alive with picture, isn't it? Tongues of flame coming to rest on individuals. And, And people speaking in tongues in such a way that others in their own native languages could hear what they were saying. I mean, it's a supernatural move of God. It must have been amazing to have been there and to have experienced uh, that. And um, at the end, they're saying, you know, people are saying, surely these people are drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And Peter says, no, it's, 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 it's only nine. That's the whole point. These people aren't drunk. They are full of the Spirit of God. There's something that has changed uh, within them. They were happy, joyful people. 
And Peter says, this is the Messiah that you've been looking for. This is the one. Listen to what I'm saying now, he says, because that that you are seeing and experiencing is the hope of God that's coming in with the message of God for people of every language, tribe and nation coming together as one, that they would find Good, the, the, the goodness of God. And it says around 3,000 people were added to that number that day. They were very um, patriarchal in that society. They only counted the men. That's terrible, isn't it? So if there are 3,000 men, there's probably about 5,000 women plus a load of children. So it's quite a big church to start with, isn't it, really? You know, they start with 12. They've got a bigger group that goes to 120. They're meeting in an upper room, really frightened, a small little group, and all of a sudden the church expands to about 5,000, 8,000 or more. That'd be a nice picture for Holy Trinity, wouldn't it? That would cause fairly major building issues if you've got that number coming in. But here's that, the point is that when the Spirit is released, that sort of thing is possible. That's exactly what's possible. And, and, and it's a wonderful thing when we see that possibility. But all that description in Acts chapter 2, what does that mean? What does that mean to you and me? What, what, does, it, what does it sort of work out to be? Because it sounds great, but so what? They had this experience, but so what? And you have to go on to the end of Acts chapter 2 to find out the so what. Because here's what they experienced among them, and I'd love to read this to you from the message version. It says this Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. All the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. And people in general liked what they saw. And every day their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. What a wonderful description. Here's the so what. The Spirit came and what was released was a heart of generosity. There's no scarcity in that first community that they describe. There's a generosity towards the community. They reach out towards the community. There's a generosity towards each other. There's this incredible picture of what God might do with a group of people who are fully open to the Spirit of God, who say, yes, Lord, we'd love to do it your way. That's a picture of how the church should be. And it's a lovely picture, you just need to look at it a little bit and realise that actually that's a picture of, of this. Um, uh, all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, that's Trinity Sunday, where everybody stood together, we work as one, we believe as one, we, we march as one, we hold as one, we support one another. You know, it's, it's, you know, it was really lovely, you know, if you can catch someone, if you can catch someone speaking something really good about somebody else. You know, it's like when you leave a conversation and people have been speaking about others and maybe they've not always been very honouring in their talk. And you leave the conversation, you think, that doesn't feel good, does it? But when you go into a conversation and people are always honouring one another, it feels good when we lift one another up, when we talk one another up. 
It's a lovely picture of Trinity Sunday and a picture of generosity. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They ate meals at home with every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. And here's the thing. And the local community saw it and said, we want to join that community. We want to be part of what they've got. Here's what this reading describes. Me, Mark Melluish, looking at my mate Chris's family and saying, they haven't got as much as me financially or as much as my family. Haven't got as a house like we've got or anything else, but they've got everything we haven't got. That's what the church should be like. And what happens? I just went and joined that family. I went and became, in a sense, part of that family. The, the, the ma- I, I took, helped take, I took the father's funeral a few years ago now. My mate's father's funeral a few years ago now. And the mum, she had her funeral as well. It was about five years ago. I went and took her funeral. <laughs> She's still alive. But she said she wanted her funeral service before she died because she couldn't bear the thought of everybody partying without her actually being there and hearing some nice things being said. So she hired the cricket club and we went and took her funeral service and everybody did the whole funeral. She says, now when, I'm, now when I die, she says, you can just see me off. That's no problem. She said, now we've had the celebration. It was lovely. It was a lovely thing. I thought I've never heard of that before, but it sounds like a great thing to do. <laughs> I like that. Get everybody together while you're still alive and celebrate. But they had everything. And what I see, what I saw in that family, what I see in this Acts 2 description is no scarcity whatsoever. No someone else has got to provide, but rather the love that is shared amongst the community, seeing that everybody was together and had all that they needed. And the gift of the Spirit and this generosity given at Pentecost is the link, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to the gift of the Spirit in our lives, our life stories change. Our life stories change. Lindsay and I had um, an experience a number of years ago now, I won't tell you the whole experience, but our son basically fell off a balcony about 20 feet high and landed on his head and it cracked his skull open and uh, he was in Great Ormond Street intensive care for a long time um, and he's you know it's a long story but he basically against all the doctor's odds against everything that was ever said he's come back to life and it's an amazing it's it's I still I can't talk about it too much because I get too weepy about it but uh, this this is the thing the church our church prayed they prayed like they never prayed I would rather be part of a church that prayed that God might do something than part of a church that said, I'm not sure if God's going to do anything, so we won't pray. Part of a church that says, we believe that the spiritual gift of healing is possible today. And because they prayed, I believe our son was raised. Because they prayed, he came back to life. And any of you who are parents will know that desperation when you... We were watching our son's life ebb away. He had a neck brace, he had a back brace. His, he, he was, on, he, he was um, on, on breathing equipment for, the, for uh, just over a week. I mean, it was terrible. And what they said to us, they said to us basically on the following Friday after the accident, they basically said, this is as good as it's going to get. 
It's just this limp body in a bed. And uh, Lindsay and I said, we'll, we'll have to give up work and just look after our son, Joss. And um, I remember sending a text to the church warden at, at St. Paul's and saying, we believe that God heals, but on this occasion it seems that that's not going to happen. So, but we'll be back, but we might not have the capacity to pray for that healing for a while, and we'll need your support. And it was on the Saturday night that they said to us, um, we're not sure if he's going to come back out of this at all, and we had a terrible night um, praying and, and uh, uh, weeping over our son, and on the Sunday morning, the church, all the congregations got together to pray four different congregations on a Sunday and they all got together to pray and uh, it was while they were praying that this they took the breathing equipment off and our son took some breaths and it was amazing and um, after a, I don't know it seemed like a long time but he, he, he suddenly he suddenly went like this raised his thumb and you think he's still in there and uh, last, two weeks ago, he finished his degree at Manchester University. I mean, it's extraordinary that what God has done. And the, and the senior paediatric consultant of Great Ormond Street Hospital wrote to us and said, there is no medical explanation as to why your son should survive this. And all we can do is join you in thanking the Almighty for what he has done on this occasion. Amazing. I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that changes life. And when he changes lives, our lives get changed. So I want to do just a little thing this morning. I want to do a little thing. I'd love you just to, you don't have to, no one has to do anything. Please don't hear me saying anybody has to do anything. You can just ignore me if you like, but I'm going to do it. I'd, if, if you would so choose, I'd love you just to put down anything in your hands and just open your hands in front of you. Just as you are. Unless you're holding a baby. Just as you are. Just hold your hands in front of you. I'd love you to picture in your hands now, I'd love you to picture all the resources you have. Everything you hold. The things that are precious to you. Probably should have asked you to put your phone in your hands, you know, because access to your bank account and your social media and work and emails, all those things all in your hands. They're all in your hands. And I'd love you to picture in your hands your time, so maybe your calendar would be there. And, um, uh, you know, for often we would say, don't we, we don't have enough time. Picture in your hands all your skills, all the things that you're able to do. And because those things are precious to us, what I'd love you to do is close your hands on them. You're holding those things tight. Would you do that? Just close your hands on the things that are important to you. You're holding those things tight. And why not hold them tight? Because they're limited. We have limited resources. We have limited finances. We have limited time. We are, we're limited in so many ways. And then here's what happened on that day of Pentecost. Here's what happened when the Spirit first fell. When the Spirit first fell, 
people's hands were opened. If you open your hands again. People's hands were opened. They gave back to God what God had given to them. They gave back to God their resources. They gave back to God their time. They gave back to God their, their talents. They gave back to God those things that were important to them. And when the Spirit falls, generosity flows into us and through us. And we end up sharing what we have. We end up being people who are generous to others. And I'd love to just go back to that question at the beginning. Just while we sit with our hands open. Do we live under a narrative of scarcity? In other words, are our hands closed or do we live with open hands under a narrative of generosity? And if we live under a narrative of generosity, God will do mighty things through us. And if we live under a narrative of generosity, God will do mighty things through Holy Trinity. And I want to pray for each of you that today you would know that narrative of generosity. You would know the Spirit in your life. That the Spirit who comes will gift you to not hold on to scarcity, but to open your hands with generosity to see God's kingdom come. Would you stand with me? Father, Father, we, we come today because we want more of you. And Lord, I, I would love, I would love it when, when one day someone takes my funeral, that they'd be able to say, that man lived under, a, under the guidance of the Spirit and with open hands lived a generous life, generous with his words, generous with his heart, generous with his time, generous with his resources. But that can only happen, we know, Lord, when your spirit comes and touches us. And I don't think that day of Pentecost was a long drawn out thing. I think the Spirit just descended, just came and people were touched. And here's what we do, here's what we do at St Paul's and the other churches in our church family. Here's what we do, we just don't just listen to what the Bible says, but we say, Lord, would you come and activate my life with it? And if you'd be willing, if you'd be willing to allow us this morning to pray for you, just while Gabby leads us in a song, I wonder if you'd be willing just to come up to the front and allow, uh, well, Lindsay and I'll be here and whoever else is able to pray, Ben and others, just to come and just pray briefly on you, Holy Spirit, come. That we would leave here today knowing something of the grace and the goodness and the generosity of God in our lives. So why don't you come? Just come and allow us to pray for you. Linz, would you like to come out the front so that people feel comfortable coming to you? Why don't you come? If you're able to come, just come and allow us to pray for you. It won't take long, but come. 
Come, because we all need this. Come. That's it. Just come.